This is Rich Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Nolan Rich, broadcasting on SoundCloud, Speaker, TuneIn, and available for download on iTunes. Remember to email us if you'd like to get on the show, richsportstalk at gmail.com, and reach out to us on Twitter at the handle at richsportstalk. Got a lot to talk about on the program today. Now, while most of the world is noticing the Boston Red Sox today, and rightfully so, for having an incredible season, and were without question the best team in baseball, and proved that by beating the Dodgers in five games to win a World Series. They've proven what it takes to be an elite organization in Major League Baseball with four titles in 15 years with three general managers and three managers. You want to have a well-run company and a professional sports franchise. Unfortunately for me, my favorite baseball team is not known for being well-run. It's the New York Mets, who on the same day where we saw one of the baseball's best organizations in terms of organization from top to bottom, we saw why the New York Mets should just be known as the New York Mets. The New York Mets yesterday decided, instead of going with the obvious choice for a general manager, decided to sign an agent, Brody Van Wagenen, to be the new general manager of the New York Metropolitans. So I'm going to give you a little bit of an example here. So in television, a lot goes into a show. You have a host in a newscast, you have anchors, you have reporters, you have writers and editors, but at the head of everything, you have an executive producer who's in charge of everything. This goes from radio shows to podcasts to newscasts, but that person generally has a lot of experience and usually wears a lot of different hats. They've probably been an editor at some point, a writer. They know how to edit, produce. They know how to deal with people, book talent, and they just have a good grasp of the overall position in terms of everything that goes into it. Now, you can hire a replacement. You can hire a reporter, for example. But usually that person has a different skill set. And even though they have a couple of qualifications, they might be a reporter that edits a lot of their own products, which goes on the air, but they don't understand necessarily all the background information and everything that it takes to create a good production. That's my issue with the New York Mets. Because we've seen this before in Arizona, where they've had two agents be general managers and neither have been very good. And reading today, multiple players and people in the Players Association are concerned with him being the general manager in terms of contract negotiations. And people close to the organization are saying they are worried because, rightfully so, a lot of owners don't really love to negotiate with agents. And that's just with clients. Do you really think a lot of those other general managers are going to really want to negotiate with an agent who's now wearing the mask of a general manager? Now, I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. He could be a great fit. He could be a great general manager. Maybe he's smarter and understands more of the game than we're letting on. And I'm, trust me, I'm one of those people I say, show me before you judge, before I jump to conclusions. However, in this situation, 
The Mets had a great candidate they could have gone with, and who a lot of people were saying, which was Chain Bloom, who's a Yale graduate, is 33 years old, and who many people think could be the next Theo Epstein because of his analytics, and we've seen what he's done with player development in Tampa Bay. And say what you will about Tampa Bay, but they had a 90-win team last year in a division where you had two teams with over 100 wins, including the World Series champion, and oh, by the way, they have the lowest payroll in the sport and don't exactly have an attractive market to lure players who are free agents. And yet, they always seem to have great young talent and are able to put a competent team on the field in a division, may I remind you, that is filled with the Yankees and Red Sox, who had over 200 combined wins last season. And the Rays won 90 games. To me, that's the biggest problem with the Mets was they had a great candidate who looked like he could be the next great general manager in the sport. But I think what a lot of people are missing in this whole Mets general manager search is a far underlying issue which is even bigger than what it appears. What happened after that press conference? Well, the Wilpons said they were going to have a three-person front office headed by John Riccio, Omar Minaya, and J.P. Riccardi, who, according to reports, are keeping their positions with the new general manager. And Wilpon has said multiple times over the last few months that he is going to be the main decision maker. Oh boy. To me, this decision wasn't necessarily about getting the right person for the job or potentially the best person for the job. It was finding a person who the Wilpons felt that they could control. Now, the Mets with this four-person front office, I guess is what you will call it now, could it be the next wave of the future having multiple people with multiple positions? It could be possible. But this is also a situation where we saw last season where they had three people in charge of the organization, and they had a lot of fighting in between the two. Not necessarily fighting, but just indecisions because two might have agreed on one thing and the other might not have agreed. So what you're getting is you're getting a general manager by committee instead of one person who is calling all the shots. It's like that saying, too many cooks in the kitchen. With the Mets, this is what's aggravating fans the most. It isn't necessarily that this could be the wrong hiring, but it's the fact that the Wilpons are getting involved with the franchise, especially after they have run this franchise arguably into the ground after the whole Bernie Madoff situation. And the thing is, you know that old expression is, don't pee on my leg and pretend it's rain? That's basically what this front office has done to the Mets fans, saying, oh, well, we got plenty of money to spend on free agents. We're not affected by the Murdoff scandal. Yet the Mets didn't spend money for years after the whole Madoff scandal. O okay, th that's one thing. And my favorite comment was what Wilpon said a couple, I think it was weeks ago, where he made the comment where a reporter asked, about the salary and he said well sandy alderson he could have spent money he made the decision not to spend money we know that's false we know the mets financially are not in the best place with the Wilpons because the millions lost hundreds of millions of dollars due to the bernie madoff scandal 
And I've always said that Major League Baseball should have stepped in and bought a franchise where you had the ownership group having monetary issues. Yet they never did, and we saw what happened to this Met franchise. They were unwatchable for six years. And now they're at a pivotal crossroads where they have a bunch of young, talented pitchers coming to contract time, and they're in a decision to basically try to decide, are they going to go for in the next two or three years with their window, or are they going to try to rebuild? And from all reports is that they are going all in for 2019, despite not having you on Cespedes because of his heel surgery. Now, I get what the Mets might be thinking, that Van Wagenen could help with the negotiations, and he will be in charge of bringing in free agents, and maybe they're hoping he can help bring in a couple big free agents this offseason, while you have a guy like Omar Minaya be in charge of the farm system, and Riccio and Riccardi in charge of more of the day-to-day operations and in terms of trades. The thing is, I can kind of see what the Mets are trying to do, having four different general managers, in a sense, having Wagonen be in charge of the offseason, trying to sign players and using that agent background, while you have a guy like Omar Minaya, who's been good with scouting, try to get the younger players and rebuild the farm system, and you have Riccardi and Riccio helping out with that, but handling more of the day-to-day. I get the idea of having a committee, but when you have a guy like Bloom, who many executives around the league said he is the next up-and-coming general manager and using especially analytics. And I understand analytics is not a popular word in baseball right now, but this is a guy who's helped build a great young organization in Tampa Bay with limited resources. And one of the comments I heard that the Mets maybe didn't want him because they were afraid how he'd handle the big market. So you're saying you would give a guy who's who's had limited resources and you would give him resources and you're worried about giving him more resources. So he's basically turning peanut butter and jelly into a four-star meal. And you're worried what would happen if you actually took him to a good grocery store and actually gave him filet and gave him good products to work with. Okay. That, that, that really makes a lot of sense. And look, I understand that I, once again, will say this. You cannot question a move until you see what this person has done. And I'm waiting to see how this works. And I'm waiting to see how this technical four-man management group, along with Wilpon being in charge and calling the shots, works. I mean, it could work. We've seen this in baseball before where people try something radical like the Oakland Athletics in the 2000s with the beginning of analytics and how that's really worked and caught on. And I know baseball is a sport that doesn't like change, so the idea of change isn't a popular one. So maybe this is a change in a different direction, having multiple people be in charge of an organization. But my gut is telling me this just is not going to work because you're putting a guy in a position that he, even if it's limited to just contract, it's a position where he's never been in before and we've seen the track record in Arizona when they've tried it with an agent it hasn't worked and I think that's the most frustrating thing about this whole entire process is if there weren't great candidates and the Mets decided to do this I think Met fans would be uh, okay this isn't great or ideal but it, it would be understandable but the issue is that there's a great candidate that they could have had who a lot of people around the league have said, 
could be the next great general manager. And that's all you've heard about. And when the Mets made this, every baseball analyst that I know, I was reading all the articles yesterday. And it wasn't just that it's their concern. There's reports that the players are concerned about this move. This is a critical time in the Mets organization, and they just seem to not get out of their own way like they always do. And the thing that is the worst part about this is the Wilpons having more involvement because they basically have been on a milk carn for the last 10 years. I mean, I, I've never seen the Wilpons at City Field. The only thing you would ever hear is, oh, yeah, they still own the team even though they don't seemingly have money. But now, all of a sudden, they want to get involved after almost being away for what seems like a decade, and they want to be in charge of personnel. And to me, this is the most damaging thing of all. It isn't necessarily that they're hiring an agent as a general manager, because I do think what's going to happen is, like I said, the idea is he's going to be the guy who, even though he'll have the GM title, he's going to be more of the off-season negotiation with the contracts and with the internal contracts while you have the other three, Riccio, Manaya, and Riccardi, handling some more of the trades and player development. So it's not all, all going to be on Van Wagenen. But we've seen this in sports. When the owners try to get involved in the day-to-day -day operations and when owners make personnel decisions, it almost never works and ends well. I mean, it's like what Bill Parcells said. They want you to cook the dinner. Maybe they should let you shop for the groceries. And it feels like Will Pond's basically just putting his nose into everything and making the decisions for the Mets. And this is a crucial time. Like I said, they have a lot of good young players. They have to make the decision if they're going to be competitive and, more importantly, to negotiate with the Grom. Personally, I think the whole Van Wagenen was to bring him in to negotiate the contracts for DeGrom and Syndergaard to keep them in the organization and maybe this could work this committee could work and maybe we could see this become the way where instead of having just one person doing one job you have three or four people on a committee doing multiple jobs helps line their workload and makes them more productive and with the specialization maybe this could work maybe this could be great but on the surface it just feels like it's not going to work they had a great candidate and more importantly it just feels like the Mets who always seem to make these moves where you're just saying, oh my God, they're, they did it again. And nine times out of 10, your gut feeling tends to be right when the Mets make those moves and it just feels like that again. And it's frustrating because this is a team that they have young talent. They have some good young outfielders. They have a good young rotation. And this is a pivotal point in their franchise where there actually is some hope. And this could be a decision that will that this is a decision that will impact this franchise for the next five to ten years moving forward and if this team will propel itself to another world series chance like they did in 2015 or will they just become a mess once again and be irrelevant i mean to me the big thing is make the mets competitive i'm not saying get them to the playoffs but what i want is i want this team in a playoff race in August and in September. Because I'm a diehard Mets fan, but I will tell you, you turned that TV off in June when this team won five games because it was terrible baseball. You knew they were done. The worst thing you can have in baseball with this long season is be out of it early. And it's very easily. 
because through 60 games, fans are smart. They can tell if you have a shot or if you have no shot. And look, you could have a great second half comeback and maybe get fans back in. But once fans check out in July and August, once football season starts rolling around, you've lost them. And we've seen with the ratings in baseball, they're going down. It's harder to keep fans engaged. And the worst thing you can be is irrelevant in a playoff hunt. And that's what the Mets were this year. They played better in the second half. They actually weren't a bad team in the second half. But the June where they only won five games crippled this team. And you could just feel it. The energy from this fan base was gone. The crowds were dead at the stadium. Everyone knew. You knew they were going to be sellers, and you knew they had no shot at the playoffs. And that's the worst thing. The best thing for the Mets and this new ownership group and front office, be competitive in September and October. I'm not asking you for you to win a World Series. I'd like for you to win a World Series, but give me competitive baseball in September so I'm engaged throughout the summer and not have me turning off my TV in June. That's going to do it for this episode of Rich Sports Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Got a lot coming up on the future programs. Remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss anything on SoundCloud, Spreaker, TuneIn, and available for download on iTunes. If you'd like to reach out to the show, our email is richsportstalk at gmail.com or on Twitter at richsportstalk. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Nolan Rich from Rich Sports Talk.